Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Brother John. I hope you're having hey, a good hey. morning. Yeah, uh, real good. It's, uh, you know, just still feeling the, the effects of celebrating yesterday, the, oh. the Lunar New Year. Uh, oh, that's right. That was a big day. <clears throat> that, that was, was a, a really big day. big day. I heard from a lot of people about it. Did you? No, I heard from nobody. Not even oh. uh, The day before, I, I, you know, the text message, a little bit yeah, of feedback bit. from my uh, my. My client, the Center for Humans and Nature. Other yeah. than that, not much going on. But well, it doesn't keep yeah. me from celebrating. Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I got, I think, maybe uh, a half a dozen messages from different people who were aware of our our uh, our season of the ox. Um, by way of explanation, if you've never listened to this podcast before, this is The Bro Show, and we are actual brothers. My name is Jerry. And my name is John. And... We we're do bros. a show. We're bros. We do a podcast, or we call it a show, being kind of loose with the language there. We do it every week, and we, we talk about four things. We talk about an animal that's designated mm-hmm. as the season's animal, kind of like a mascot, only not. Yep. This season, it's the ox, and it corresponds with the Chinese Lunar New Year. So, season of the ox, we're going to do an ox story. We're going to do a word that... We found in literature or on the airwaves. And we have two takes on a subject. Mm. And then last but not least, we have two groaners. These are dad jokes, if you will. Oddly, this segment, this groaner segment, tends to be the most popular. So, of course, we put it's it in It's amazing. We put it It's last but not listen. least. It's uh, widely accepted uh, mm. nationwide, actually. Um, wow. Yeah, I, wow. I hear feedback. Really? It's at the point now when I um, I'm asked to do groaners, and when I don't wow. do groaners, guess what the response is? A groan. Oh, <laughs> well, that somehow seems weirdly appropriate. But yeah, hey, what shirt? What shirt are you? What shirt are you wearing? Ox. Mm, ox. Oh, you're wearing the season of the ox T-shirt. Right. I figured limited edition. Mm-hmm. Limited edition. Yes. Yeah, that's a good t-shirt. I'm wearing, uh, I'm with the band. Uh, now, the one in the show notes is a Tahiti Blue. I have mm-hmm. one of those. You but do. you know how you lose a sock in, somehow in the process of getting your clothes washed and dried? Yeah. Well, that's what happened to me. I can't find my Tahiti Blue. Uh, I'm going to have to get more serious about it. So I'm wearing, I'm with the band t-shirt, but it's gray. But I still like it. And uh, by the way, you can get this T-shirt. We got a link to it. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, hosted by Bonfire. And all the money that comes in hey. the T-shirt goes directly to Music Cares. <laughs> and Music Cares takes care of musicians with yeah. medical, financial aid, and drug problems too. That comes under me- medical. <laughs> Believe it or not. Oh well, I guess. We I have, like a drug to the drugs. I have a drug problem. I have a drug problem. You do too. We drink coffee. 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 Seriously, drink coffee. Yeah. Although, all right, there's more and more health benefits from drinking coffee. Believe it or not, come out. If you if you read the right medical journals, you will find yeah. that coffee's good for you. <laughs> Emphasis on the right. Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with it. And red wine, and you know, any chocolate. Mm. Right? These are all. These are yeah. all these. 
pseudoscience, pseudo-medical <laughs> things that you can do. I know, I'm familiar with it. I grew up around it. So anyways, what's the deal here? Uh, what's, you, you ready for the ox story? Yeah, we've, we've got an ox story. As already mentioned, we do this every week. Uh, and this week what we're going to do is we, I decided to take a look at something which is near and dear to my heart. It's mascots. Uh, and thought, you know what? There's going to be some teams out there that are using ox as their nickname. And so uh, I always like to cite this um, database. It's called the Mascot Database. Uh, Google it. Come up with it. It's really, it's really excellent. I mean, uh, I could, we could yeah. do a show on this database because you can search by, by level of sport, type of sport, location, and come up with how many wildcats there are, how many uh, bulldogs, and even some of the more obscure ones like like Salukis. <clears throat> Salukis, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Ramblers, you're in Bobcats. Yeah, so there are a lot of Bobcats out there, believe it or not. Oh, well, so what we did is we put that in the uh, database search field for nickname, Mm -hmm. team nickname. It came up with Blue Ox. So we're a little, uh, this isn't exactly what you call a popular name. It's a name that's only, we can find being used by three different teams. But Blue Ox, I think the best one I came up with is the baseball one, the bang, the Banger Blue Ox, which is, uh, was a professional baseball team in the Northeast League for about three or four years in the late 90s, a little early 2000s. And, uh, it's kind of incredible, uh, insignia that you could, in fact, I, I decided to do a search to see if maybe somewhere out there you could buy it on eBay or something. Can you? And, uh, no, I, you know what? You can buy the Banger Blue Ox t-shirt, which is sort of a replica shirt. Oh. It doesn't have the ox on it. Without oh. the ox, I think it, it doesn't count. Yeah. No, not really. So, so um, there's a problem. We're trying to pick name, though. There's well, a yeah, there's a problem. I think there's a couple things going on. I, you can talk a little bit about the, uh, yeah, yeah, why isn't it more popular? In fact, it maybe even has a whammy. Uh, possibility. I, I think it all starts with uh, the language itself. Uh, okay. Usually, it's the bobcats, right, or the wildcats, yeah. right? Well, what's the plural of ox? Oxen, the blue yeah. oxen. I don't know. They call themselves the blue ox. Well, that's singular. So right. I think this it's this confusion that's sending their own signals to their opponents and their fans that says, "Beat me." Yeah, and I'll tell you what, that that then you take a look in the mirror and say, I'm an ox, and I'm not even yeah. a team, I'm a singular individual, what am I? Yeah. It confuses yeah. the, the actual yeah. people on the team. Identity um, crisis. It is, because you, um, there's like, there are the exceptions that lie in in not having like the, the uh, cardinals, the blue jays, they can be animals, yeah. or you could talk yeah. like fish, like marlins or dolphins. But in this case, uh, oxen, oxen, like you said, doesn't work. And, uh, and I, I think you're right. I think that's a problem. And I, I think also history shows that we've got two of the three teams that have been named Blue Ox are no longer in existence. They've kind of gone by the wayside. They're defunct because it's, that's right. Referred. Let, let's got, add to the confusion. Add to the confusion. White Sox. Right? Yeah, you got White Sox, Blue Sox, uh, Boston Red Sox. Um, yeah, these teams yeah. Are, are named after. It's just taking and, and messing around a little bit with the with the language. The OX, the OX, yeah, the yeah. OX rather than S O C K S Sox. 
uh, because Confusion. it's more refers to the attire on the lower portion of the body. Um, and that's where that, that comes from. And, but it does lead to some confusion because it doesn't, yeah. end, it's, a, it's an X. And I don't know. I, I, I think if I, if, if this name had a, a, some sort of revival, I would just run with the oxen. Let's come on. Let's get over it. What's wrong? You know? What's wrong with oxen? I don't know. I just, uh, it doesn't have, you know, I, I think what's good about ox is you've got examples of using like socks. So therefore, it's been the actual form itself of the word maybe not is pop, more popular than oxen. You're not going to have too many. I don't know. It's it doesn't roll. Hey, well, you know what? As well, yeah, especially in a battle cry kind of situation, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, <laughs> we are yeah. the blue oxen. <laughs> yeah, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Was, yeah, it's all confusing. It's so confusing. We need to maybe set a team up there to Bangor. And, and get them some help. Yeah, I think uh, the other two teams are hockey, one roller hockey, one ice hockey, and they're in Minnesota, which makes a lot more sense because this yeah. all kind of originates with Dave the Blue Ox. That's and right. It, you know, and I mean, people think of it in terms of a symbol of strength, endurance, and it's all good. So we just gotta, it's gonna kind of tweak it a little the bit. The language. It, it might have, yeah, and, and it might have a revival. I sure hope so. I do too. I worry about the odds. <clears throat> Not as much as you do, though. No, this this thing with the database, the mascots. Uh, there's a, there's a story to be told, and perhaps we'll get a little bit into that later in the show. You got a word for us too, John. Oh yeah, I'm. This is a word I've seen twice used in book reviews over the last two weeks. It's called it's trenchant. T r e n c h a n t. Uh, this word the definition is incisive, clear-cut, effective. Quite often, it has sort of a maybe a, a little bit wry, a bitterness uh, mm. to it. It can it be cynical, perhaps. So the example I have is the trenchant look at baseball during the Great War describes the grim dawn of a modern world. Um, I, wow. I, the book I'm reading right now is just it, it, it kind of what I would call the guy went to the Jack Webb school of writing. He he's just really to the point. Don't look for flowery language here. Uh, look just for something the facts, that's get, Yeah, just the facts exactly. So um, I found it in a book review of a book I'm reading right now called From the Dugout to the Trenches that deals with how uh, Major League Baseball dealt with the, the First World War. So that's that's mm. the word. Uh, I'm going to stick by it. Okay. Okay, do it. All right, thank you. Well, now we're getting to two takes. We're going to talk about something, aren't we? Oh dear. Well, this is a road, a journey which we've uh, took over the last week. We've we've kind of touched upon autism in a variety of ways. Um, it's it's something which uh, it's fast. I find it just fascinating, and the stories behind it, the people behind it, can be fascinating yeah. too. So, as we did some work on looking at it, we realized that. We might all have a piece of autism in us. Yes. Um, and so the, the title of this two takes is Autism Close to You. Um, so what I found interesting about it is that we read an article, and the article that we read was calling Feeling, Sym- Feeling Sympathy for Inanimate Objects. Uh-oh. And if you take a look at the background of this, what I, is it, the, this, this is called personification. Yes, but it is. if you take it in a broader sense, it deals with the fact that quite often what will happen is that we end up 
having some sort of wires mixed up as we take a look at how we perceive things, whether it be from sensory or cognitive uh, pathways. So mm. the word for that is called is called synesthesia. Synesthesia, okay. Ah. And that's the that's the broad word. But within the context of that, we can have when we look at the emotional cognitive side of it. What we can have is we can have a, a situation in which all of a sudden we feel some sort of empathy towards inanimate objects. I'm going to give okay. you one quick example of the broader way the word works. Okay. And let's just say, for example, uh, you took a ball and you rolled it along, you know, the floor. And a person whose maybe sensory perceptions were confused might perceive that as a deafening sound as the ball rolls. And right. it's so deafening, it could basically be very, they, they, they couldn't deal with it. It would be so bad. Okay. So uh, that's an example of the broad term. And what you do is you have a subset where you look at it. Now, the common thing which most people have is we take a look at personification. And by the way, I just want to mention the fact that personification quite often has a literary uh, sense to it. Where it's just another word that oh. has more than one definition. Okay. And from the literary sense, I... Just to give an example of it, it's, uh, I took a look at this from a sort of a, a playwright, uh, a flowery uh, hot dog playwright. He wrote, the sunny moon smiles on the frowning night. Ah, so that's personification. That's, that's personification. personification. Uh, yeah. That happens to be from, uh, from uh, Big Bad Bill uh, Shakespeare. Oh, and, Big uh, Bad. <laughs> yeah, our wonderful Willie, if you've maybe called him that. I don't know which one you used to call him. Well, I'm not touching that one, so to speak. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So let's get right to the personification part. What you normally as a child might have with respect to personification is maybe yeah. feeling empathy towards your stuffed animal, like a teddy bear. Yeah. yeah. But usually I, as you grow older and you then connect more with people, you kind of let that teddy bear go by the wayside and uh, and you leave it behind and you create relationships, social relationships with people. Some people, however, continue to have some sort of empathy towards um, inanimate objects. And I have to be truthful. This is sort of like, oh. tell it like it is. Uh, I'm oh. one of those people. Ah. And I've got what I call the three Bs. Okay. The three Bs for me when it comes to personification are baseball cards, buildings, and books. That's true. I've, I've observed this firsthand. By the way. So it all starts when I was a kid and I collected baseball cards and everybody said, oh, you like baseball and you read the backs of the cards, you memorize the stats, this and that. But there's another element that maybe mm. doesn't get told that maybe yeah. I kind of hide. It's behind, it's in the closet, actually. Mm. Mm. And that John's is, coming out. John's coming out. It's like I would have cards and I would go and trade with kids. I would try to trade cards and I might have a card I wanted that another kid had and I'd give him three of a lesser player or even a, a well-known player, I couldn't do it. I no. couldn't part with my cards because I felt like I was disowning them. I was like oh, leaving them. Banishing uh, on, on, Yeah, actually, I was just leaving them on the sidewalk rather than keeping it in my home. Oh. Um, they were like my kids is, is the way I looked at it. So baseball cards, and to this day, I have kept every ball card that I've ever, that I've ever got. So I, wow. have my, I have a file cabinet. The other thing is, with and so many people say, well, you're oh, keeping on, it. Hold on, hold on. How many baseball cards do you have? It's about 50,000, okay? It's not that big a deal. 
I stopped. I, I'm not actively collecting anymore. I stopped back back maybe 20 years ago. Wow, um, that's a lot but, of cards. Uh, just one more quick story about cards. We'll yeah. move on to build uh, to, to buildings. And the, with the cards, I, um, I I felt a need. This is more of a retrieval thing, but I felt a need to keep cards of a ball player together. So rather than keeping my cards in sets, which a normal investor would do because he'd want to keep them intact mm-hmm. so that they're there in case he wants to sell them. And yeah. also for purposes of maybe valuing your, your, your card collection in terms of how much it's worth, I keep them in alphabetical order. And that gives me a chance to then look at the cards, feel the cards as I enter, you know, I file new sets in there. And it's sort of a pleasure. Right. But it, it, let's just say it's an interest I have. Let's make it to Oh, good little carried away yeah. there. <laughs> well, well, let me see if I understand this properly. So, if you do them alphabetically, that means you're going to get to see the older cards that you haven't visited lately. It's kind of yeah. like a, a, an enforced random visit. It's a it's it's visiting. It's it's about old home week. It's all that good stuff. It's reunion. Do you think this? Do you think this started because we grew up on a farm and there were no kids around us hardly at all? There is a school. There is a, yes, exactly. We couldn't see the a house. You know, we lived on a farm where you couldn't see the, the our nearest neighbor's house. So That's right. there is an element of that. I mean, we we learned to play mm-hmm. games where we we were basically uh, playing. You know, throwing the ball against the wall and various forms of that, so that we yeah. could, you know entertain yeah. ourselves. Yeah, it's um, true. And we. So here, the building thing is kind of interesting because you see, I took a look at that buildings. I seem to, I really like architecture. That's what that's kind of the outward thing. That it, if you say, "Wow, he really is into skyscrapers," this, that, and whatever. Well, there's another hidden story here. Uh, okay, the fact is I'm, re- that, I'm ready. <laughs> the fact is that when I was a kid, and we would go down to visit my my father's uh, company in Middle St. Louis near Forest Park. As we were leaving on King's Highway, I would see two of the taller buildings, one of the taller buildings in St. Louis, the Park Plaza Hotel. And what I would do is I would sit in the back seat and I would stare out the rearview window, looking Mm. at it as I saw it getting smaller and smaller. So it was like I would continue to look at it until it just, you know, was evaporated by the horizon. Wow. um, And that's what happened. So... Mm-hmm. I ended up coming to Chicago, and I, what do I do? I, I ended up getting uh, note cards on all the buildings in the loop. I give, would give tours, and everybody says, well, that's pretty cool. You have an interest in tall buildings. No, you but have a relationship. Like, <laughs> the problem that comes uh, that seems to surface occasionally is when I will get up in the morning and jog, and I'll take a look at the skyline and say, boy, those buildings are standing proud and tall. Personification. And, <laughs> That's personification. Yeah, and I'm not exactly writing that as verse either. No, uh, <laughs> no, it's real. So uh, we move on to the last one is books. Um, oh yeah. Right now, my, I I I'm, I will you know I people say well you won't even let somebody borrow your book for a while. I feel as if I'm an abandoning. It's like I'm creating an orphan if I let mm. the book leave my uh, leave my boat. I uh, I. I make sure that I, my baseball room has custom-made bookcases. I feel mm. it's important for me to give my books the home they deserve. I wow! Them so I can care for them properly. I have them cat. I have them cataloged. I can retrieve the retrievals there. I occasionally go in the back of my room and I will 
sit down and peer upon them gleefully. I mean, well, with some pride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the, the other thing that's kind of interesting is that uh, you know, right now as I'm in my senior years, I am more concerned about where my books end up going. That's right. You know, and where they are going to reside. And the fact is that you say, well, ah, eh, what the hell? They're going to all find homes. Well, that's, you mean, you mean break up my family? You mean they're that's going right. to be broken up into groups? That's right. That for me how, is how will they be? How, how will they be transported? Where will they go? Will it be cold? Will it yeah. be warm? And you know, so the point that, that we're kind of making here is that you just, uh, you probably could all, everybody could take a look and find these stories. I'm sure, I hope, I, I, I hope so, in their lives, it's comparable to my life. Uh, uh, if not, I guess there's, uh, but they seem to pop up. I mean, I, I used to think that my thing with statues was a problem. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'm politically incorrect. You know, this statue of Robert E. Lee needs to be uh, put in a warehouse, wrapped up, so nobody can see it. And what I would call smothered, not wrapped up. Um, wow. And so my feeling is that, you know, I, 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 I hate to say these things because I'm probably being politically incorrect. No, you're just, I, on the, you're just on the spectrum. You can say it. And uh, it's, it's another good example of me feeling empathy for an inanimate object. Uh, I, I feel that they, I'm not saying, I think we should put all these things into a, uh, if the statues basically are going to be discarded, they, they should be put based upon theme into their own special museum. And, What's wrong uh, with that? And, I think that's a I, good idea. I don't know. Well, it helps Sometimes you out, I'm too. worried. It would help me out, too. I mean, it would give me yeah. a, like, another thing for me to put on my bucket list, uh, a place to go. Not just so. that, but, I mean, it would uh, uh, lessen your anxiety about their their. Faith. It would. Exactly. Because you worry about these things. I wouldn't say I necessarily lose sleep, but it does seem, as I take a look at... Um, you does know, it nag, world, at, nag at you a little bit? Is that what it is? Just like a low it's grade? It's an emotion that does seem to come up that can be triggered rather easily. Um, I guess that's the best way of describing it. It isn't like I wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I say, now in order, what do I feel empathy for? Uh, right, not quite, right. uh, but no. it, it, it does pop up. So, And, it, and, it, and I think that my wonderful wife, uh, Marge, um, she used to she used to say uh, to me, uh, "I just have one question: What planet did you come from?" And uh, I think that wow. way kind of describes that we all have our little differences. I used to say, "Norm, well, everybody's normal within a wide range of tolerance." In mine, you know, I think everybody's right. that. Yeah, it isn't like I, it's I agree. Just, I agree. It's just a positive way of saying that everybody's different. Yeah, when I had to give up my drums, it was terrible. I mean, you know, I I remembered all the good times I had with them. And, you know, they were like markers of my life. And it was just very hard to give them up because they were they were mine and they were close and they were leaving. And but your situation is a little different than that. These are these are objects that you haven't necessarily had in your possession that you feel this for also, like these mm-hmm. statues and the buildings that get a new facade. You worry about, well, you know, is it going to be as attractive as it was before? Uh, you know, does that hurt? You know, 
And there's a lot there. of people who feel, you know, as you know, there's a big, big restoration and also the preservation of architecture is, is yeah. an important thing. And I'm, I'm pretty close friends with some of the guys who are in that, uh, in that field here in Chicago. And I, yeah, I just kind of gravitate. Now, where does this kind of relate to autism? Yeah. Well, there ha- uh, maybe you can kind of uh, chime in a little bit on on where you know it, it's it's again a, a miswiring of your perception, whether it be sensory or cognitive, yeah. that causes this. I think so. It's yeah, not bad I, I think so too. It's not bad. I mean, that's one no. thing that we no, need to not. get get out in the open here. Yeah, so. destigmatize it because you know I think as we were growing up, if you were odd or did something a little different. Uh, the only reason for that was because your parents weren't doing their job. You know, that really? was kind of, yeah, that was kind of the angle on it. It was kind of like, well, he, he's different. Well, yeah, his parents just weren't stern enough with him. They didn't lay down the law. Ooh. You know, every every parent has a little different approach to this, you know. You know, oh, he, you know, he's uh, he's too tied up in his baseball you know, he, he's got a thing about those cards. That's not healthy. That might lead to something really weird in the future, like blow up dolls or something. So, <laughs> so, so you know, hey. well, I gotta have, I gotta have the talk. We'll have the talk, you know. And if that doesn't work, you know, we'll go out to Cedar Hill Tavern and have a bucket of beer together. Well, he's <laughs> only eight. He's only eight, Jim. Oh, <laughs> uh, are the calls I would get from uh, some yeah. uh, somebody who's had a few beverages at the tavern and say, uh, your father just told me to call you to get the answer to this baseball trivia question. And here I am, like, yeah. less than 10 years old, and I'm, I yeah. rattle it off, and he's just, oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, well, you were the authority. It was, <laughs> But you're right. These things, these things are familiar, I think. To all of us, if we're honest about it, you know, and uh, my grandson, Ian, Rose's uh, son, he uh, he's he's on the spectrum uh, officially. You know, he gets special schooling over in the Netherlands for it and everything like that. And uh, it's it's a fascinating journey. It's hard. It's hard to raise a kid with autism because the rules are different. You can't raise yeah. that kid like you were raised. And but. Rose recognizes elements of herself in Ian, as I do, too. I talk to him almost every day. And, uh, you know, the odd thing is, is they discover things by accident about how to treat a kid like that because they're all individuals. Everybody's, you know, there's a spectrum. And every kid has a different mix of these traits and things like that. And one of the most interesting was when he gets sick or he has to take uh, something that relaxes him deeply, like... uh, uh, antihistamine. He he can speak in whole sentences, and ordinarily he can only say one or wor- two words together because he mm. can't get the words out. He understands Dutch and English almost perfectly. You can say almost anything to him, and he will respond. You know, especially if it's an instruction. But you know, he he can't get the words out because there's too much chaos going in, on in his head, and he gets overstimulated easily by light and sound and various things like that. But once you limit that by either putting noise-canceling earphones on him or he gets very tired, then, you know, everything starts working right. So this is kind of the key to his treatment going forward. Uh, They're going to try and find foods and and lifestyle choices that allow him to lessen the chaos so that he can communicate because he's very very smart. He's frustrated that he can't speak. And, you know, he sits – alone in his room with his iPhone, and he's figured out how to record himself 
and how to play recordings of the proper way to say a word. And he plays the recording of the proper way. Then he records himself saying it. Then he plays himself back because he knows that he can't say it, but he can think it. So when he says the word, he thinks he's saying it properly, but he knows he's not because of the reactions he gets. So he's he's learning through feedback and recording how to do this. This kid's seven years old. That's what I was going to ask you. This kid is seven. Yeah. And what you've just described is some elements of his intelligence, which are probably beyond his years. Way beyond his years, yeah. He's a very smart kid. So uh, he, he had to be to figure these things out. And I think another thing that's uh, important to emphasize is that it's it's accelerating. What we want to do at this point is, if num- number one, is to show you how challenging autism is, take a look at how long it was before you were they were able to come up with this insight with respect to how to address accelerating his development. Yes. Uh, and, yes. And, I, and, I, and so this isn't a question of teaching a, a kid how to talk. This is a question of accelerating an incredible, intel, incredibly intelligent human being. Yes. Yeah, so, it is. You know, you know he, and, he, he gets frustrated, of course. And even at years younger, you know, he knew. He knew that he couldn't talk like everybody else. And, you know, he... He didn't want to upset his mom and dad, so you know when he'd go to sleep, he'd sometimes cry to himself. Uh, he was felt bad about it, and so they have those monitors that you can put in the kid's room so you can hear. And Rose would hear him crying, and she went up there and she said, "What's wrong, Ian?" And and he points to his mouth, and she says, "You're sad because you can't talk like everybody else." And he nod his head up and down, still crying. Amazing, you know. He knew. I mean, even at four years old. So. Uh, you think about it, living with something like that is very tough. So you need a very good environment. And the schools over there are incredible for kids with disabilities. And the government's incredible. They give an allowance every month to Jan and Rose to help get him extra things he needs. Uh, and uh, it's it's going along pretty well. I can, I can talk to him sometimes uh, on the phone. And sometimes he just can't sit still enough. He's, there's too much going on inside of him. Yeah. But I know he's... He's there, and he does a lot of other things to show you that he's connecting with you, and he knows who you are. He even knows who you are, John, because he hears us yeah, talk about it's, you. It's uh, I, it's amazing. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the good news is he's in the, he's got the right parents. He's got, yeah. He's in the right country. Yeah. And he's got the right grandparent. There you go. Grandparents, yeah. So, Rose and uh, Mary yeah, Jane and I not, both yeah, uh, not deal to with exclude them. your yeah. wonderful wife. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I appreciate it. We're we're running over it a little bit today. We usually okay. do 25 minutes, but this was worth it. This is a good topic. Uh, and I hope uh, I hope this breeds tolerance in people. You know, there's some things people do, and it's they're wired that way, and they just can't do it any other way. If they try to stop it, it's worse. So this is okay. a great example. Hey, are we ready for some groaners? You think? I'm ready for two. These groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder, Jr., commonly referred to as the coach. He provides us with a couple of these, uh, two to four, whatever, every week. I get the opportunity, I get the privilege of being able to select a couple, and I uh, and I think maybe one of these I've already done because it's one I kind of invented myself. I'm going to start with that one. What happened when an eagle's nest was found near the building of a new home? 
What? Say it again. That's a good one. What happened when an eagle's nest was found near the building of a new home? Everything came, work came to a screeching halt. That's very good. That's probably, I like that, because I could probably put construction up on the question and put work came to a screeching halt. You've, you've actually done, you should get extra credit, because what you've done oh. is you've improved it. Oh, you've improved the groaner, which I'm, I'm wow. going to use that because this is one that, of course, is going my high yeah. demand for using is on my staff. I mean, that's a whole other story. OK, here's the next okay. one. What do you call ants that can't speak? And what do you call ants? Ants that can't, that can't speak. speak. I have something to do with mute, I would assume. Yes. Mutants. Mutants. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> oh, I like that one a lot. Play, you will get play. high partial credit on the second one. So you're, you're between you're the two I got I got I got one and one. If you yeah. average. Exactly. Wow. I All feel good. so much better. I feel better. <laughs>